If you would stand with me and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter number two. The classic Christmas story I'm reading from today. I enjoy the Christmas story that Santa just gave. Let me just say though, when Santa saw me earlier, I think he was a little bit concerned when he saw my white beard that I might be trying for his job in the future. But I assured him that I wasn't. Luke chapter number two. I wanna start reading with verse number one. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a host, a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. <clears throat> when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened <clears throat> and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and, brought and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Somebody say amen to the reading of God's word. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. Now, God, open our hearts to receive the truth of your word. God, unless you open our hearts, we really can't see what we need to see. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do what only you can do to unlock our minds and hearts to see this supernatural, this mystery of a child being born, God among us, who would take away the sins of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It was in seventh grade that my mom gave me a gift it was the first gift of its 
like this I had ever received from my mom. And matter of fact, I was kind of blown away. I was left a little speechless. It was a gift that I desperately needed, but it was a gift that I didn't know I needed. But it would be a gift that would change my life for the good. On that day, she handed me, as a seventh grade boy, a stick of deodorant. <laughs> and she said, Rodney, you stink. But the good news is the stick of deodorant will change that for you. And she was right. She gave me good news that I really didn't know I needed to have, is that things can change in regards to my smell. There's a Greek word, it's euangelion. And that Greek word means good news or gospel. Both of those words are interchangeable. They mean the same thing. And if you've been around church much at all, you've probably heard of the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Luke, the gospel according to John. It's the good news, the pronouncement of good news. But that word gospel wasn't first used by Christians. It wasn't first used by those four authors or Jesus or John the Baptist. That word was used many, many more years before the time of Christ. Matter of fact, probably the person who most popularized the gospel or the good news was Alexander the Great. Because everywhere he went, he brought the gospel or the good news, the euangelion. And his message was this, Alexander the Great, everywhere he went and conquered, he would say, the kingdom of Greece is here. And what that meant, what was meant to be good news is that they also brought with them healthcare, education, entertainment and leisure, and even athletics. Sounds a lot like America, huh? Sounds a little bit like a uh, political speech promising that this is what we're gonna bring you to change your life. The whole idea is Alexander the Great, where he went, was to win people over, to promise them that their life can be better than the way it presently is. The kingdom of Greece is here. But when John the Baptist showed up on the scene, he began to proclaim the kingdom of God is here. Matter of fact, throughout the Gospels, it's either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is here. Both of those used interchangeably. And when Jesus came along, Jesus began to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is here. But Jesus did not come to establish his kingdom the way Alexander the Great or any others before him had come to establish their kingdom. Jesus did not come to conquer by the sword, but by a cross. He wasn't just giving people hope for their best life now. He was giving people eternal hope that can only be found in him. So when the kingdom of God arrived, the kingdom of God arrived in a baby in a manger named Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And that gospel, I want to take and break it down just a little bit as we consider who Jesus is and what he came to do. First off, let's look at the letter G. That God created us to be with him. God created us 
to be with him. Uh, I, one of the things, COVID, and I know that COVID had a lot of um, hardness and difficulty and loss, and, but there were some aspects of COVID that I actually kind of enjoyed. Did anybody kind of enjoy a few of the shutdown a little bit and the slowdown and the hecticness of life just being a, like brought to a standstill? There was a little bit of that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the evening walks with Shannon. It seemed like every evening it was a beautiful time. We would just be walking together in the evening for a stroll. I really enjoyed those times. But if you look back in history of man, according to God's word, there was a time where God walked with man in the Garden of Eden. He would come and he would walk with man. He would walk with woman. There was relationship. There was something very special, something very intimate, something very beautiful there. Do you realize that you were created in God's image to enjoy intimacy with him? That's why you were created. But the letter O speaks to our sins separate us from God. And if I were to define sin, it would be simply this, missing the mark. When you sin, you miss the mark that God has established because we are meant to be holy as God is holy. We're meant to live the life that God has designed for us to live. And Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They missed the mark. And when they missed the mark, the scripture says they stopped walking with God and they hid from God. Matter of fact, they hid themselves and they made leaves because they realized their nakedness. For the first time, they realized their sinfulness and their brokenness. And ever since then, man has been trying to hide from God because our sin doesn't want and cannot stand before God. There's a book by Abraham Joshua Herschel. It's called God in Search of Man. And oftentimes we talk about man searching for God, but that's not the real case. The real case is God searching for man. For God sent his son to this world that he would die on a cross. It's about God in search of man. And it's about man opening up and realizing that I need God. Which also brings the letter S. Is sin cannot be removed by good deeds or pedigree. Your mom and dad's relationship with God cannot save you. Your good activities and good deeds aren't gonna save you. You fall miserably short. There's no way. It would be kind of like if I set up a, if we all went to a basketball court and we all get on one end of the basketball court and we're trying to make a basket on the far end, which is about 93 feet. And everybody gets a basketball in this room and says, see if you can make it. There may be a few of us that could actually hit the backboard or maybe even somebody hit the rim. And with this many people, maybe, just maybe somebody would get lucky enough to make one shot. Just Maybe. Because every once in a while that happens. But if you take that same basketball gold and put that basketball gold on the other side of Oklahoma City, no amount of skill is gonna make that basket. No amount of luck is gonna make that basket. And the Old Testament is simply about all the people who tried to hit the mark that God established, but they all fell woefully short. In fact, Romans chapter three says it this way, for everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard that God has set. And there was only one person 
that achieved that standard in his name is Jesus. The baby in the manger that would grow up and assume the role of a cross, which brings me to letter P. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. You see, God told man that the day that you choose to disobey me is the day that you surely die, which is kind of ironic because the day that Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't seem to die. They seemed to continue to live. But the truth of the matter is they set into motion death. I think all of us understand if you've had basic biology that you got skin uh, cells that are dying all the time and regenerating all the time. But all of us are in the pattern to death. Eventually, we will die. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they set into motion, the clock began to tick on their time. But actually, something did die that day, physically died, because Adam and Eve had covered themselves in leaves, but God said, that's not good enough. I said, the day you do this, something will have to die. And then God killed the first animal and took the skins of that animal and clothed. It says in Genesis 3, and the Lord God made clothing from the animal skins for Adam and Eve. Something had to die. But in Hebrews chapter number 10, it says it clearly that all of the animals that died in the Old Testament, it was not possible for them to save mankind. But God reserved from the foundations of the earth one, his only begotten son, who would live a sinless life, who would be completely obedient, and he would lay down his life on the cross for you and I. Jesus, I'm talking about. The baby in the manger, who was born, would be tempted at all points, just like us growing up, but yet never would bow his knee to sin, would live a sinless life, and then chose to die. Chose to die, proven by what happened three days after his death when he kicked out the end of the grave. And if some of you struggle with this idea of Christ and who he is, I just highly invest, encourage you to investigate and study the resurrection. The resurrection is one of the most greatest historically proven facts known to mankind. And why is that? So that we can be left without any arguments that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. The virgin birth, the miracles, all those things were validated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which brings me to the letter E. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Everyone who believes in Christ alone, it's not believing in Christ plus something else. Because all of us want to do that. We want to say, okay, I believe in Christ, now I'm going to live a good life. No, your good life is not going to do it. I believe in Christ, and I'm going to have faithful attendance to church. No, that's not going to save you. I believe in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to give to the local church. No, that's not going to save you. While those things are good things, and they're part of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, those things will not save you. The only thing that can save you is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is dying to yourself so that Jesus Christ can come alive inside of you. Which brings me to the letter L of gospel. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. My mom gave me that stick of deodorant. And I gotta be honest with you, it actually hurt my feelings when she told me I stunk. But how many mamas and daddies know that sometimes those teenage boys, they don't realize they stink, but you do and everybody else does. And you gotta help them out sometimes. You see, some of you may have showed up today and you know that your sin stinks. 
And Jesus is the hope. And so what I'm offering you is not a stick of deodorant. I'm offering you a chance to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But there may be others in this place you don't realize you stink. You don't realize your sin because you're a pretty good person. You've never done anything majorly bad. You're an okay dude. And you feel good about that. No, no, no. Your sin has killed and took Jesus to a cross so that you can have eternal life. And no matter how good you are, the standard is not the person you're sitting next to or a friend or a family member or somebody you go to school with. The standard is Jesus Christ. And none of us hold up to that standard of perfection. And that's why we need his saving power to cleanse us from our sins and from all unrighteousness. Nicodemus came to Jesus once, a religious man. And he said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, how, how, how can I, a man who's older, be born again? Go back in my mother's womb. That is impossible. There's no way. And Jesus said, no, no, that which is born of the flesh, going back to be born in somebody's, out somebody's bellies, that, that's of the flesh. I'm talking about spirit. And Jesus said, see how the wind blows? You don't know where the wind's coming from, where it's going. So is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, you invite the Holy Spirit, God, inside of you. The Holy Spirit will transform you. If any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new, new. You see, following Jesus is not just adding something to your life. It's not giving him a little room inside of you. Say, take this little room here and I'll pull you out for Christmas. I'll pull you out for Easter. I'll pull you out like when I'm in really desperate need. When, when I just need like this miracle, I, I, I'll pull you out, Jesus, and utilize you. Or when I'm really wanting to be good around mom and dad or really be good around somebody else, I'll pull you out. No, no, no. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. This is not a game to play. This is life and death. This is eternity. Every, everyone listen to me at some point will take your last breath. And do you realize you're not even in control of the breath that you take right now? You say, oh no, pastor, I can, I can breathe right now. Just, there'll become a day, there'll come a day for every person that you'll realize that I do not control my breath. Because life and death is in the hands of God Almighty, not in your hands. And that baby in a manger that we celebrate and we look at and say, oh, wow. He was king of kings and lord of lords as a baby. He grew up being a man who did all kinds of miracles, laid down his life and rose again. And he's coming back someday as king of kings and lord of lords. And on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, whether we want to or not. So the question is, will you make that decision now or will you wait to then? But let me just tell you, then is gonna to be too late. Now is the day of salvation. You're not guaranteed a tomorrow. I want eyes closed, no one looking around. The Holy Spirit is dealing with individuals right now. You have sin in your life that needs forgiven. I'm not talking about making Jesus a little part of your life. I'm talking about Lord of everything where he's not Lord at all. 
You've got to die to yourself, your way, the way you live, the way you got to lose control of your life and let Jesus have control of your life. And if you're here and you say, my pastor, I, I want forgiveness of my sins. I, I, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want him to be Lord of my life completely. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with no one looking around. And then I'm going to pray over every hand that is lifted up. If that's you and God's speaking to you right now and you're ready to be forgiven of your sins and receive Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. Raise that hand. Hold it up. I see hands all over this place. Men and women. You can put your hand down. I want to pray a prayer and I want us all to pray it together. Would you pray with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I need forgiveness of my sins. I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And Jesus, you're my Savior. And I want you to also be Lord of my life. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. I receive you as my Lord. It's in your name that I pray. The name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Would you give it up for those who receive Christ? Come on. I want you to stand with me. Would you do it? And in Guthrie and Oklahoma City, as you're standing right now and others that are joining us, what is your next step? What is your next step? You know what your next step is? To become a disciple of Jesus. And that means you're water baptized. Water baptism is something that's not optional as a Christian. It's something that Jesus exampled and he commanded us to do. See, because what happened just then is there was an internal work inside of you personally. But that's not to remain personal inside of you. You are to now go public with that and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord before others. And the mode that was chosen by Christ Jesus himself is water baptism. And so if you chose to be follow Christ today, Water baptism's next. And we're ready for you tonight. There's no need to wait. I realize, oh, well, I didn't come ready. We're ready for you. We got the short, we got the t-shirts, we've got all that you'll be able to take home with you. We got everything you need. And we're ready to baptize here in just a little bit. And so when we finish up in just a moment, you'll just need to walk out and let somebody know you're ready to be baptized and we will baptize you. You say, well, I, I just don't know about that. Last week, there was a guy that was in church with us his name is Earl Henry Magby, and he's on the screen behind me right now. And Earl Henry Magby is 103 years of age. That's pretty incredible in itself. But he received Christ and went public in water baptism when he was 94 years of age. What's stopping you? You know what's stopping you? Pride. Pride. Don't let pride stand between you and what God is asking you to do. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Come on, Guthrie, Oklahoma City. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Come on, one more time. Give it up for Jesus Christ as we go back in and worship.